Are you the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. John 18 Welcome to Canaanbaum Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. This podcast features segments shared by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, The Wells, along with church history, music, and other items by those who support our teaching. My name is Tom Barthel, currently serving as pastor at Trinity Lutheran in Nina, Wisconsin. Glad to be serving as your host for this episode. This is episode number 118. We'll begin with God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 38, verses 22 now to 30. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow, or seen the storehouses of the hail, for which I reserve, or which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? Sometimes God even uses the weather for his purposes. The Lord told his people much the same thing through the prophet. Um, I struck all the world of your hands with blight, mildew and hail, yet you did not turn to me. That's Haggai 2.17. One of the writers of the Apocrypha had clearly read this part of Job. Um, He says, this is in Ecclesiasticus 39.29, Fire and hail and famine and pestilence, all these have been created for vengeance. And Moses had also used these thoughts to proclaim the gospel. He says in Deuteronomy 28, The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless the work of your hands. God is simply telling us that nature itself must submit to his will, that all things must work together for the good of God's people. The only difference with the rest of creation is that the snow and the hail always obey the Lord's commands. Only sinful mankind has ever been dumb enough to say no. Free will is only capable of sin. Free will spells ego with a capital letter and worships the self as the supreme God and choice as the goddess of pleasure. Verse 24. What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Now, this verse gives commentators problems when they pay too much attention to the style of the poem and not enough to the actual words. I must admit, however, that there are Maybe two good ways of understanding the verse which don't do any violence or or change the Hebrew text. The trouble sits in the word or, which is usually translated light, as in Genesis 1-3, yahi or, vayahi or, let there be light and there was light. Now here it seems to mean lightning, not just light. And since this is the case um, in other places in Job where the context requires that it has to be lightning, like in chapter 36, Uh, verses 30 and 32, and uh, there's a verse in chapter 37 where that happens. There's no problem with taking or here as lightning. The reason this doesn't sit too well with some folks is that the parallel term in in, in the verse is east winds, the kadib, and they feel that lightning and wind don't seem to be close enough for a parallelism of any kind. Now, on the one hand, I don't feel comfortable criticizing the Lord's poetic skills here, or the author's taking take on the Lord's poetry anyway. On the other hand, if we don't take our word or to mean lightning, but just light, 
Then we have a truly parallel expression, asking A about the west, where the sunlight is scattered, and then B about the east, where the hot Sirocco Kadim scorches the caravans and sunburns travelers and so forth. Either way, lightning or sunset, the Lord's question stands, do you know the shelf where I get it all from? Verses 25 to 28. Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm? to water a land where no one lives, an uninhabited desert, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass. Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? Hail and snow are rare for many people. Uh, most of my life has been, sent, has been spent among the six-foot snowdrifts in Minnesota and in Wisconsin. But in my missionary days in the Pacific Northwest, School would get called off for a dusting of a quarter of an inch of snow. But God can point out his miraculous handling of something as commonplace of rain. He makes it rain even in the desolate wasteland. The Hebrew for this term is just, it's just delicious, delicious. The Shoah Meshoah, the desolation of desolations. In other words, the most desolate place on earth. What might that be? What, Easter Island? the volcanoes of Antarctica, the southernmost tip of Chile in South America around the Cape Horn where shipwrecks happen all the time. But wherever that is, the Lord considers it his pleasure to bring rain and snow there just like any other place for his own reasons. We can't question God about it. It's his business alone. A few years ago, a scientist tested one of the lunar rock samples brought back from a dark crater of the moon and prove that there is evidence of water even there. Lunar scientists have no idea how it could possibly be true, but there it is, water on the moon. Who but God could baffle us so much? But he does it for our good. I hope he teaches us to question whether our science is right or just arrogant. Verses 29 and 30. From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the water becomes as hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? There was an, I think it was an Australian archaeologist who called the Earth's ability to freeze an ocean the quiet power of the winter's cold. Men have found out the hard way that ice alone has a destructive force that can bring anything down, a ship, a plane, a city, a Napoleon's army. The freezing ocean can splinter a whaling ship like it was made out of matchsticks. The scrape of a single iceberg sank the Titanic a hundred years ago. When these things happen, the wise man asks, who is really in control? How conceited have we become that we challenge God's own nature at every turn? The root of the answer is the part of the equation that we always ignore, like an ugly house up the street that we wish wasn't there, but which isn't going away, the eyesore in our lives is our own sinfulness. It's not going away. No matter how much we wish it weren't there, no matter how foolish or stupid a man like Stephen Hawking can become in his old age by denying that there is heaven or hell, heaven, hell, and sin are every bit as real as death, love, and a retirement plan. We can't wish our sins away, but the blood of Christ whisked them away, and the will of God is that we would trust in him, the one who even put ice on the moon, 
and let him carry us home to heaven. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. Up next, a song by Branches Band. This segment of To Tell the Story is based on John chapter 18 and 19, shared by Pastor Luca Italiano. Pilate scrubbed the sleep from his eyes. What do they want, Marcus? His servant shook his head. They brought someone to be judged by you, sir. I see. Why so early? Sir, it's Passover. They want to get everything... Yes, I know. I've lived here long enough. I know how it works. Blasted Jews! Pilate cursed them a few times before straightening his back, taking on a royal stance, and walking out to greet the Jews. What charges are you bringing against this man? If he weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Take him yourselves. Judge him by your own law. We have no right to execute anyone. Oh. Execution. Pilate actually looked to see the man they had chained between them. He seemed like an ordinary man. Beaten, yes, but nothing unusual there. He looked to his own guards. Bring him. The guards set him in the palace. Pilate sat and motioned to a servant to bring him some fruit to break his fast. He looked at the man. Your name? Jesus. Ah, the rabbi. The upstart that was causing riots a week ago. Yes, I've heard about you. Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? 
Or did others talk to you about me? <laughs> Am I a Jew? It was your people, your chief priests, who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king, then. You're right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate looked up from his fruit. And what's truth? He set down a rind of melon and stalked out to the Jews. I find no basis for a charge against him. It's your custom for me to release one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And Pilate chuckled to himself. A beaten, broken king for a beaten, broken people? It was perfect. But the Jews responded, No! Give us Barabbas! Barabbas? That upstart? That murderer? They'd rather have him than some vaunted miracle worker? Now, Pilate was no fool. He knew that the religious leaders were jealous of Jesus. But this was something different. <laughs> well, might as well get some fun out of this. He ordered the soldiers to beat Jesus. And they did. They knew that Jesus was a, a king. And they gave him a crown. They took thorns, twisted them together into a halo, and set it upon his head, lightly at first. Then they began to beat him on the head. The thorns dug down into his scalp, scraping against bone, until you couldn't see his face for the blood that dripped over it. They draped a purple robe over his shoulders. Such a useless, pathetic king. He couldn't protect anyone. Hail, King of the Jews! the soldiers cried as they beat him and mocked him. Pilate nodded. A broken and bloody man. A perfect king for such an obstinate people. But Jesus never cursed the soldiers back. He refused to threaten. He simply took the abuse. There was something special about this man. Pilate shook his head. This sorry specimen was no king, but he was no threat to Caesar. He went out to the Jews again. Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis for a charge against him. And Jesus came out wearing that crown of thorns and the purple robe. <laughs> Here's the man. And as soon as the Jews saw him, they cried out, Crucify! Crucify! Of course, they didn't want a king like this. Full of themselves, they wanted someone full of glory and power, not this broken man. Pilate smiled. If they wanted a king, they would get one just as broken as they were. He chose to needle the crowd. You take him! You crucify him! As for me... I find no basis for a charge against him. We have...
have a law, they answered. According to that law, he must die, for he claimed to be a son of God. Pilate stepped back. He paced into the palace. Son of God. Pilate had seen enough upstarts. He had seen enough wannabe kings, and he had killed plenty of them. But a son of God? That was something different. It was fun to needle the Jews. It was fun to mock them. Such pathetic people. But a son of God? Pilate sat down with Jesus again, ordered slabs of meat to eat. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But the bloody, broken man did not answer. You refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize that I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. So, this was to be it then. Pilate stood, went out to the Jews, and insisted that Jesus was innocent. But they would have none of it. Crucify! Crucify! If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar! We know how it is. You let him go, and you look like you're allowing a rebellion, and you'll be removed from your position. And Pilate knew. He had no choice. He sat down on the judge's seat. He summoned Jesus, a broken, bloody king, for a pathetic, broken people. Here's your king! Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar! Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. He washed his hands. He was done with this innocent, bloody king. No more. Done! One more piece of business. Pilate wrote out the charge. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Oh, those Jews objected. He's no king of ours. What I've written, I've written. There. The end. Kill the king. End it. A pathetic king for a pathetic people. Then it'll be all over. Pilate went to bed that night secure. That'd be the last he'd ever have to worry or think about Jesus of Nazareth. Now, brothers and sisters, this is your king. Broken and bloody on a cross. But he went there to save his subjects. To save you. That's how he became your king. By purchasing you with his holy, precious blood. And Pilate was wrong. That wasn't the end of Jesus as king. The head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned in glory now. <laughs>
And that is the king that we worship on the cross. And now he reigns in heaven. And the story is true. We'll close with another song by Branches Band, You Are the Way. Listening to Canaan Bound Podcast. For more information, visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com. This episode was first shared in February of 2017. We encourage you to visit a Wells ministry location nearest you. Visit Wells.net. And remember his promised rest. Thanks for joining us. As God revealed his heart and will and mind.